Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, the combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight announcements, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Cigar Page put together a great offering special for our readers. 60 G's, baby. The team at Bloody Elbow had some laughs thinking about those old school UFC fight bonuses and how far some of those early fighters have come. The 60 G's baby deal from Cigar Page is five 90 plus rated cigars and a travel humidor. This is a value of $90 that Cigar Page is offering Bloody Elbow readers for $25. While that cigar culture is alive and well in the MMA community, it may not be your thing, and it also makes an awesome gift for the holidays. You can grab this deal today at cigarpage.com slash 60gsbaby. That's cigarpage.com 60gsbaby. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 275. My God, 275 episodes of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we're going to look at just a couple headlines from the last two weeks. And Victor got an amazing interview with a guy named Ed Citron, Zitron, excuse me, from Easy PR. And it is a broad spectrum, all-encompassing interview. You're going to get so many topics in there. There's some stuff on crypto, all sorts of stuff. So do listen to that and... Because it's the fir- the second, today's the second day of the year. Yeah, today's yeah. January 2nd, 2024. By the time you hear this, it will be January 3rd. But we wanted our first show to be a celebration. So despite the fact that this isn't our normal week for a free episode, we are giving you this episode for free. So, Victor, how the heck are you? How was your new year? New Year was quiet, man. It was nice. I went to bed early, put the boy to bed early. I had to be up super early in the morning anyway. And um, I I didn't really do too much. Um, Did a little bit of cooking during the day. That was about that. Christmas was a much more eventful thing. And good God, did I get a lot of stuff. (laughs) So I'm I'm happy. The boy's happy. Uh, My nephew's super happy. And uh, got the opportunity again to make Christmas dinner at my sister's place. So that was... um, that was beautiful. Everybody, everybody turned out great. And I'm still burrowing through some of the leftovers. So beautiful stuff. That's awesome. We had a nice um, pair of holidays as well. Er- Eric had to work a whole lot, but uh, he's currently riding a few days off. And I'm so grateful for that because, I mean, he works 14 hour days and he put in, I want to say eight straight. Hmm right before Christmas. And then he had Christmas Eve and Christmas day off. And then he had to go back to work for another five or six straight. 
And then he was off for half of New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And then he goes back to work in a couple of days. Mm. But, you know, it was nice. Anyways, Mm. we have been off for a couple of weeks. And I could not start the New Year off without talking about Conor fucking McGregor. Because he gives me endless entertainment. A lot of it is pointing and laughing, but hey, I'm a petty girl. I speak petty very fluently. So we're going to look at a couple of the things that Connor did while we were away. And the first thing is that he showed up. Well, he was probably flown out by his royal highness in, in Saudi Arabia, but he was at the... Deontay Wilder versus uh, Joseph Parker and Anthony Joshua versus uh, Otto Wallin. He was at that fight, which was on December 23rd. And so was um, Cristiano Ronaldo. (laughs) And they and someone in their divine wisdom seated them next to each other. And from what I understand, they're quite chummy. But you would never know that by watching some of the video of Cristiano rolling his eyes as Connor's jabbering his ear off or Cristiano sitting as far back as he could with his arms crossed across his chest and this stoic expression on his face again as Connor jabbered his ear off. Connor leaned over him just so he could point in the face of his royal highness. It was just amazing to watch. And it was immediately memed. He became an overnight meme with that, as he does with just about everything. So then he goes on and he does an interview. Uh, what's the, the British guy's name with the longish hair? Which one? The the British reporter. He's, uh, oh, uh, uh, Gareth. Gareth. Gareth Davies. So he's he gets Gareth Davies is there and he gets an interview with Connor and Connor goes off and talks about how bad the UFC is mistreating him and no fighter in history has ever been as mistreated as him. And that uh, Manny Pacquiao wants a fight with him and that UFC 300 still doesn't have a main event. And he just went on and on about his mistreatment. So UFC, you know, Dana White comes out and says, we're talking, we're talking, we're going to work something out, blah, blah, blah. So apparently there really was some acrimony going on there. But to hear Connor tell it, He's broke, you know, the UFC's never paid him a dime. They use and abuse him, blah, 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 which kind of is true because the UFC has made a mountain of money off Conor McGregor and the way that his percentage rolls out is is very, very, very um, not fair, not even. I have to get your take on what you think of Connor saying he's super mistreated, the most mistreated fighter in UFC history. I mean, he should talk to Kung Lee. I don't know. Maybe yeah. he should. He should. He should talk to uh, uh, John Fitch. Uh, what, John, yeah, talk to John Fitch. Maybe. I mean, what what the hell is that? This is. Look, I've said many times that everybody in MMA is underpaid, especially. 
Conor McGregor. Mm -hmm. And I say this specifically just to reiterate and just to be clear very briefly. It is a matter of the level of branding and marketing revenue that this man is able to generate, that they are able to save by him simply being out there, being the face not just of the company, but arguably of the sport itself. And that is not a bad thing to have. That is a good problem to have when you are the UFC. The problem is that for Connor, at the very least, he's clearly not making anywhere near the money that he realistically should be making if we were in a more just set of circumstances. Obviously, we know that the UFC is not paying this guy. You know, we've, we've already seen this, and I want to shout out Luke Thomas yet again. He said something very important about those numbers that Anton and Tabuena and John Nash have been putting up in terms of the uh, UFC payouts. Um, not a single lawyer, not a single manager, not a single fighter, not even the UFC themselves are disputing any of the numbers that are being put out there. So that leads us to understand that every number that's been out there that's been published shows that McGregor is not even pulling in 10% of the revenue that he is making for the parent company. So let's look at that. That's pretty fucking bad, right? Then you look at the fact that he fights Floyd Mayweather. Who knows how much he got out of that? He clearly did not make the majority. That was not a 50-50 split. The UFC had to get their taste in. Boy, howdy, it was a hell of a taste. It's the old classic slapstick routine of the kid getting the birthday cake, cutting the first piece, taking the big rest of the cake, and leaving the slice that he just cut for everybody else at the party. That's what the UFC did with Conor, essentially. And yeah, I get it. He has plenty of reasons to be upset regarding that. But then, listen, man, they're bending all these rules for this guy. They had this acrimonious split with USADA, mostly because of this guy, it seems. Come on, man. They've made so many exceptions for you. You want to sit here and grouse that that's what it is? Motherfucker, you're the one that's not fighting. You're the Thank one threatening you. retirement every other year. You're the one out here doing all kinds of shit, getting in all kinds of legal trouble, and all the company's done is run interference for you, defend you, essentially, by tacit implication, and then on top of that, use all of your misdeeds as promotional fodder. Not This man has faced zero consequences from the UFC directly for any of the shit that he's pulled. And then on top of that, you look at all his legal troubles, UFC doesn't say a goddamn thing about that. They leave that alone. They know what they're doing, and they know what he's doing. And so here we are yet again, despite all these controversies, and he's still going to grouse and cry and complain. Well, what do you want, man? Do you want to fight? Yes or no? It just it just doesn't seem uh, there's there's obviously always something that's unspoken because it's a matter of, well, who is he going to fight? Has he been offered fights? What opponents uh, has this um, been done in a manner that he deems to be amenable, right? Something that he feels is appropriate in terms of compensation and standing and uh, implications for whatever may the outcome of a potential fight may be. These are all things that we need to consider. But at the same time, bro, like, what the fuck are you doing? You're being handed. Nobody has been playing UFC on easy mode on this level of decline ever. So, you know, they're still handling you with kid gloves and you want to come out here and cry. And it's the same bullshit. I mean, I kind of I didn't really feel bad for Gareth. I don't have anything against Gareth. <laughs> just to be clear. Um, I yeah, it's just. What the hell was that interview? What the hell was this him talking and talking about he wants to fight Pacquiao? That was apparently what he was talking to to the prince about. I, I just – all of this shit. What – this man is just a mess. And that's what makes this even more uncomfortable to witness. So after that, he says – 
on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, forget which one it was, I'm going to reveal who I'm fighting and when. So he, he comes out and he does this selfie video and he says that he is fighting Michael Chandler during International Fight Week. Not at UFC 300, which he was hemming and hawing about. That was the main crux of the interview with Gareth Davies was that he was mistreated and that UFC 300 was where he wanted to be, that there was no main event and they weren't even considering him, blah, blah, blah. So when he announces that he's fighting Michael Chandler at International Fight Week, well, we sort of already knew that because John Kavanaugh let us know that way back in October. <laughs> now, the the funniest part of this whole thing is that Connor says that that fight is happening at 185. Oh, now, God. why would you need it to be at 185? Hmm. I can only imagine what's running through your vessels right now. And then you you pair that up with what Victor mentioned earlier, the new USADA changes. And a lot of those changes revolve around removing the WADA quotient from the equation. And they have removed all mentions of WADA as far as there, there, there's one mention that their list of prohibited substances is based on the WADA model, but it's not identical. But they have made it basically so that they govern everything. And pretty much, I'm, I'm telling you, I think Connor's going to be able to run wild. I think a lot of the fighters are going to be able to run wild with this. I mean, I, 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 I don't even, I don't even. I, I'm uh, not, yeah. I, I don't operate under the assumption that this is going to be a fair and equal thing that's go that's no. going to happen with the ufc governing their own test results they're not that's even fair. using a, a wada accredited lab anymore so we're not even go going to have you know a lab that might be fair <laughs> and unbiased or, or you know what i'm saying i'm just yeah no you, you hear that sound Mm -hmm. That's the sound of Kung Lee just just throwing his arms back up in the air going, oh, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's wow. They did my man dirty. I'm not letting this go. <laughs> I've hit my quotient of Kung Lee mentions for the year. So I'm going to start him now. We've got to get him in early. But yeah, that that is really funky, man. Hey, you know what? Just let him smoke weed. You want Nick Diaz to burn out a contract and fight eight times in a year? Let him smoke weed. Just I, I don't even care anymore. Fuck all this. This, this pretense, this bullshit. Like, what are you doing, man? I, I just it's it's been a thing where everybody was happy when you saw it started okay the the playing field's going to be a little bit more leveled you know and then all this other weird shit it's like everything became so mismanaged and so dumb for no real reason i just don't i i, I don't have much patience for any of this anymore yeah and then we also got a video of connor in, in his tidy whities again we got a video of Connor in his, uh, I want to say it's Dolce & Gabbana or something like that, um, clearly in some place tropical vacationing over Christmas. And oh my goodness, the one where he's in his tidy whities though, that one got me because he, he has a black belt draped around his neck and he says something and... 
his his uh, fiance because I can't call her his wife. He has not married her yet. He learned that. He learned from John Jones, baby. Dee Devlin, who just squeezed out their fourth child not three weeks ago. Not even three weeks ago. She comments underneath, bring them jocks home to Mammy and I'll throw them in the wash. And one of the first comments that I saw was, look at her. <laughs> look at her willing to wash the, the, the chonies of someone that is not, is not treating her like number one. And Oh my goodness, that sent me right over the edge. But anyways, he releases all these videos. Like one of his Christmas Day videos, he's in a, a, a tux and he's making these sounds. I, that's all I can call them is sounds. You know, he rolls the tongue a little bit and uh, speaks a little Gaelic. I'm not sure if that's what he's speaking, but it's definitely a foreign language. And then he mixes it in with some English and he tells everybody Bond, James Bond. And I am just wondering how much Bolivian marching powder is up that man's nose at any given point in time. But I, I gotta get you, get your take on uh, the the one hundred and eighty five pound thing. I don't. I okay. It's bad enough when he fought Cerrone at one seventy. What does he need a one eighty five exception for? When is International Fight Week? It's in it's in late June, early July, right? Usually, usually that's mm -hmm. that's usually around the time. It's around that bend, you know that mm -hmm. that. Uh, yeah. Okay. So 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 we're talking about we are in officially January. My brother in Christ, you have six months. Mm -hmm. What 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 do you need? What do you need 185 for? You're not going to be a serious contender in that division. And should he win, does that <laughs> still grant him the standing? Does he move up the ladder at 155? Does he get a title shot off a win there like Can he did? Can you Cerrone? imagine Sean Strickland and Conor McGregor? Oh my, oh my god! god. Mm. But I should note. That the UFC has not come out and agreed with what he said. They have not confirmed anything. None of that. So that needs to be said out loud. And you guys need to take what Connor says with a grain of salt right now. But nothing would surprise me if this happened. If he ends up fighting at 185, I won't blink an eye. But what gets me is that Michael Chandler hasn't made a peep about this. Which is funny because he's the only guy who hasn't shut the fuck up about this fight. Thank you. We've we've been saying this forever. Ever since they announced the Ultimate Fighter, like, is this really gonna happen? Is this really and it got so bad that you and your evangelizing convinced me that yeah, you know what? This is not gonna happen. This fight this in fact, Connor probably is never fighting again. Now I'm like staunchly like, no, nah, you know what? I don't think he ever I, does I don't fight either. again. I don't either. And listen. By the time the fight goes down, if if this fight is going to happen or it's projected to happen, it'll be International Fight Week. Now, Conor McGregor will have three and a half years away by that point because on January 21st, I believe is the date, marks three years. June 21st would mark three and a half years. By that, by the time International Fight Week rolls around, Connor will also be 36 because I believe his birthday is July 6th. 
Mm. I, I have to look it up, but it's in the beginning of July. So he will be 36 and three and a half years out from his last fight. Uh, July 14th is his birthday. So he'll be, he'll be 36 on July 14th. So he'll either have just had his birthday or be coming up on his birthday. And that, uh, I was right. The black belt around his neck and the picture of him and his, and his tidy whiteies is from him getting his black belt. And he hashtagged SBG Ireland. Like maybe he got it from there. I don't know who their jujitsu instructor is there. I don't care. I think it is Kavanaugh directly. Cause he's, he's a pretty well-respected grappler himself. So, I mean, I, this, we probably got it under John. Then that I'm gonna, makes me all wonder, I know, all then, I know is I'm going to, when I get my black belt, I'm definitely recreating that photo. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to do like, uh, like Colby Covington. I'm going to hire, I'm going to hire seven women to pamper me around. And then I'm going to do exactly that. I'm going to do that. The tropical location will be very simple. I'm going to do it from straight from my mama's house. See me under her coconut tree chilling. Somebody rubbing some, some lotion on my legs and shit. Like a, like a champion. Have you seen uh, Colby Covington's um, ad for the, the dad beer? Oh, my fucking God. What is this no-name loser-ass brand? Like, I stared at it for, like, five seconds, and I'm Wait, like, let me let yeah. me give you let me give you the, 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 the 411 on that. I'm just, I'm just saying that because I, I, I didn't give it any further thought, and I was about to ask if you had any info on it. I'm glad that you got this information. Tell me. Tell me what happened. So my friend Trill on Twitter, I saw him going at it with a whole bunch of people. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? And he, people are in there fighting for their fucking lives in his replies <laughs> <laughs> because Colby posted that picture of himself with dad beer and without missing a beat, my friend Trill, who is Canadian, goes, you fucking dummy. That's connect. That's a Canadian brand because Colby had hashtag all this U.S. stuff and all these flags and it's a fucking Canadian brand. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me yep. that I can't go to my local dispensary nope. store or whatever and buy. I got to go to motherfucking Canada. To drink this bum ass beer that's supposed to, uh, no. It's called Happy Dad Beer, and it is a Canadian. Here's what Trill said: That's a Canadian company. You fucking tool. Oh God! But okay. Colby, he has hashtagged Happy Dad. He has two American flags and the American eagle right next to Happy Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're gonna have to have a very serious conversation about how a lot of the political brain rot in America has spread to Canada. And as someone, a, a friend of mine once noted very astutely, you see people that get arrested in Canada and they start pleading the Fifth Amendment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. different constitutions, my guy. We don't have one of those up here. You know, it's like, I, I, but between that and like, you know, the 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 trucker caravans and the anti-vax shit, like all this stuff that starts here and it makes its way north. And now we have a perfect cross pollination. Now we have this American big mouth blowhard advertising a Canadian beer. But for American consumers whom, as we just now established, cannot buy it. I'm just, I'm, I'm just like that's Chef's kiss. This is the most Colby Covington shit ever. Amazing. No notes. Mwah. <laughs> and uh, you know that's that's pretty much gonna wrap up our little Conor McGregor 
refresher course for the past two weeks. I'm sure there will be there will be plenty more by the time we, we record next week. And next week we have something fun for y'all: the return of Tim Bissell with the sumo stomp. So we'll be yes. sumo stomping with Tim Bissell next week because the brand new Grand Championship is about to start, and we have a new character to follow he is okay last the last grand championship we were following a guy named the angry hamster this time we have one called the peach prince they also call him pink boy he wears a a pink uh wrap so anyway both incredibly homoerotic names i must know more of this I, man. i'm telling you peach, i must learn his ways the peach prince that's no, see, you know I what? need to I'm, see his butt, okay? I'm hijacking that name. That's me now, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I will I will fight him. Peach Prince, no, that's me now. So, Mother. Victor, tell us about Ed Zitron and why we interviewed him and what people can expect in this interview coming up. I was thrilled to have the opportunity to talk to this guy. And I look, you know, sometimes when we venture a little bit away from MMA, things can get a little hazy for some people. But I think it's an, it was an important thing to talk to someone who is immersed in both the tech sector and elements that have to do with crypto. And we touched on a lot of things primarily with those and how they affect the ecosystem, not just of sports, but of combat sports specifically. It was a bit of a crash course for him, too, because, you know, there were some elements of things that he wasn't familiar with uh, as far as MMA and the UFC particularly go. We talk a little bit about Zuckerberg and the Winklevoss boys and Elon Musk and all of these things, all the malfeasance and all the weird shit that keeps happening. Um, Something that, of course, has not been discussed anywhere, as far as I can tell, in the last few months is what happened to those crypto bonuses that the UFC was giving out. Oh, hello. And we, of course, have Crypto.com all over the cage, all over the fighter kits. What's happening with that when now Crypto.com has seemed to, has had, uh, uh, let's just say, an eventful year. So uh, there's a lot of questions. Some questions went unanswered, but a lot of them that did, uh, in fact, I at least I got some good clarity out of it. I really hope that you folks enjoy it. Ed is a uh, tremendous guy to listen to and follow and uh, someone who's really keeping his finger on the pulse of a lot of this shit because good God, man. Um, like I, I believe I might have mentioned this and so I'm, I'll prob- probably paraphrasing it now, but it's it's like his his anger and, and wrath are very, very justified and he's got buckets of it. So uh, great stuff and uh, certainly hope you guys enjoy it. And without any further ado, here is Victor interviewing Ed Zitron. Victor Rodriguez here, joined by Ed Zitron, a man of many talents, a man of many, many, uh, who travels through many avenues, let's say. He wears a lot of hats, currently doing a lot of public relations work with his firm, Easy PR, available at easypr.com, and one of my most trusted sources of information and analysis when it comes to all things that have to do with tech and crypto and all the weirdness surrounding everything that branches off from there. Ed, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. I I got to say and I and I mean this with no exaggeration. This is more than the usual introductory metaphorical foot rub that you'll have someone give their guests when they come on a podcast. Usually the the people that I listen to the most as it relates to anything involving the tech sector and especially things that have to do with crypto, NFTs and all these things that that spread out from there as I mentioned. It's usually people like Molly White, Matt Binder, the inimitable Amy Castor and the hilarious David Gerard and you are up there on that list. 
And mostly because of the fact that, yes, you do have a very incisive tone, which is very well deserved for the, the uh, content that you cover and the despicable features uh, uh, of the people that um, are out here essentially fleecing the world as they, as they burn it deliberately and seem to not have any cares. Seeing everything that you cover and sort of pulling yourself away from the abyss for a little bit, how did you get started in this? So I run a PR firm, obviously, and I sometime in 2020, towards the end of 2020, I say, like I said, sometime, but I know exactly when it was, day before Thanksgiving 2020, I got COVID and not a great time to have COVID. Not that there's not any great. great time, but before the vaccine is was not a great time. So I was just on my own sequestered in the house just on my own with a laptop thinking i was going to die and i just started writing because i was bored and i had a newsletter with about 300 people on it and then it became a kind of a therapeutic thing each week because work was hard work is always hard be off firm. but times were tough and i needed something i could focus on that was not just work so i started writing almost every day and over the course of a few years, it grew from like 300 to two, so kind of 2,000, 3,000. Now we're about 22,000. And I always had a good amount of media contacts. So I guess a lot of them read my work and it grew from there. And it went from talking about remote work, which was a big hot topic, 2020, 2021, mm. into subjects I already had a working interest in, like cryptocurrency and the evil freaks behind that, as well as what has now got to like AI, Elon Musk, and so on and so forth. It just, I enjoy writing and it's not something that, it's going to sound horrible, but it's not something that feels like a ton of work to me. Like it is work, but I enjoy doing it so much that it kind of just flows. And so, yeah, I've always had kind of a dickhead's voice, I guess. <laughs> and people enjoy that. And yeah, I'm it, it's a free newsletter, so I guess like it can grow. With, I, it's not my main thing, so I can just write it when I feel like, which is usually once a week now. And you're obviously you're writing on uh, Substack with your um, articles. You've got your new podcast as well that I've been enjoying a whole lot with a very varied uh, amount and type of guests. Uh, Fifteen minute podcast. You only have people on for that amount and not much more than that. But it's cool to see you picking people's brains and kind of getting um, getting some answers out of people in ways that perhaps, you know, as, as an interviewer, I just find the directions that you're going rather interesting, which probably is something that I feel might inform your writing and sort of your thought process. Because well, you're not just – yeah. Go ahead. No, well, what I'm saying is that, you know, you're not just stating, okay, well, here are the facts, you know this money's coming in from this entity and it's leaving this group, but there is also hypocrisy with this. Like, no, you are really, really good at sort of um, highlighting specifically what this means for jurisdictional matters, legislation, how this affects the little guy at the bottom and the people that are left holding the bag. And I'm curious if that's maybe something that uh, maybe there might be some through link between those. So when it comes to the podcast, for example, and this is, this is not about you, do not take it in that way, but I find that a lot of American interviewers almost come with a pre-baked idea of what they want to see and hear. And so when they get an answer to the question, they go, okay, moving on. And they just move the fuck on. They don't listen to the next part of the conversation. They don't, for example, follow up and say, hey, what you just said is completely the opposite of what you just said before that. And so a lot of what I have found works is just being 
stating what I think is the obvious on these interviews, but also following up on what people say. When it comes to the newsletter, it's one of the reasons it explains things well, I think, is because I'm learning as I go. I don't actually plan my newsletters at all. I do not sketch them out. I do not structure them in any way. It is entirely a case of me just sitting down at the computer and typing until the thing is done. So I'm almost working out what I'm thinking in real time and explaining stuff to myself in real time, which I think kind of ends up with people learning a little more because I'm having to learn as I goddamn write it, which makes me sound way more stupid than I am, or maybe exactly as stupid as I am. One of those two. Hey. <laughs> okay. Well, that that is true. And you do, you do, you do see a lot of people that kind of, um, well, if it's not really fitting with the narrative that they want, they just want to keep going through. But that's well, not really the problem not here. They're just like listening. They're just like, no. you, ask a you just ask a question. You're like, okay, I got an answer. Time to move on. Yeah, no follow-up whatsoever. But we don't exactly do that sort of thing here because oh, no. joke's on jokes on you. I'm, I'm certifiably Surprise. insane. I, 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 I'm I, yeah. Ooh, I'm <laughs> a real rebel. No. Uh, so I, I wanted to start off with something here that had to do with Crypto.com. And they are a firm that is currently in bed with the UFC after a historic $175 million thereabouts dollars that they had with their fighter kit um, that that is supplied to the fighters. Now the way that works is because I know you're not you know very much mired in the combat sports, but this is where I, as someone who has a greater interest in the abuses of combat sports, look at this as more of a labor rights issue. So in the UFC, fighters don't have quite what they call uniforms. They have you know the fighter kits, which is the sort of thing that they have to wear. They're contractually obligated to do so. It's got some sponsors on it, and the very little of the sponsors that are on those things, the logos that you see there, are actually money that goes into the fighters' pockets. Uh, in fact, very few. I don't think any of this crypto money is going to the fighters as is. So $175 million goes right to the bosses, and they're on the fighter kits, which they do not call uniforms because these fighters are independent contractors. I guess the language and, and just trying to make sure that they can skirt through verbiage any sort of tie to that and not have the Department of Labor uh, you know, looking at them in any particular way with any scrutiny. So crypto.com, $175 million, as I said, chunky number, none of it to the fighters. Not exactly the most sterling company, however. No. We're looking at a company that's had tons of red flags and that their uh, CEO, uh, Chris Marzalek, has had a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of things going on that seem rather unsavory. How stable is this company? And like, how does this sort of thing keep happening in terms of them just pumping money into organizations like this for promo? So there is somehow still money in crypto. And... At this point, I think we're probably three years away from the liquidity running out, by which I mean like the actual real money in the system versus just the funny money that you can see on the blockchain. Crypto.com is interesting because they are always, they seem perpetually like they should be going out of business, but then don't seem to. And they have had varying situations where it looked like they, they just did not have enough money, but they seem to be keeping going. They're one of the ones where I'm not completely sure what the, their deal is, but there have been multiple moments where they have looked shaky with their, they've done proof of reserves that are kind of dodgy. They hold like a remarkable amount of SHIB coin, Shiba Inu. Mm. I don't know why, but they do. I guess they claim it's because of their customers. Um, and it's just, they are a very strange company. 
But I also think that they are on the way out just like the rest of them. And I think we're going to see one big bull run. We might even be in it right now. And then everything is going to hell. And I think that what you'll see is a lot of people are saying, well, they're not they're not running out of money now, so they'll be fine. But if I'm if I'm not incorrect in saying this, I believe that there were multiple people who took money from multiple exchanges who just didn't get the money in the soccer industry, maybe. I forget there was one there was one sports industry where they just got completely fucked over by the crypto company and just they're like, oh, how do we get this money now? Maybe it was a baseball team. I need to look into that one. Well, so, I mean, you mentioned all hell breaking loose. What does that look like for a company like Crypto.com? I mean, these companies are not small. They're rather significant, specifically in that particular field. And you've got, as you mentioned, the funny money, and then you've got, you know, the soon-to-be obsolete money, if you were to ask them. So, I mean, what what does that even – what can we imagine that even being like? So, as with FTX, I imagine it will be quite slow and then very fast. To explain what I mean by that very confusing way of putting it – is you won't see it happening until everything, all hell breaks loose, just like FTX. With FTX, that whole situation collapsed in the space of about two days. Mm. People will say, oh, it was longer than that because of what, like it was longer because actually it took that long for, because Binance offered to buy FTX and then realized they were full of shit and all this other stuff. Nevertheless, when these companies fall apart, it's because they have some kind of bank run, you'd call it, where everyone wants their money out at once and they can't fulfill it. They can't fulfill their can't fulfill the requests from users to get their money out. This is what happened, by the way, with FTX. Now, in the case of crypto.com, it might be a little more weird because I don't actually think they're headquartered in America either. Kind of like and that's actually Taking a step back, that's also one of the reasons I don't particularly trust them, because much like FTX, they are based in a company, a company, a country that's not America. In Crypto.com's case, they're based in Singapore. FTX was based in, of course, the Bahamas, that classic place for reliable legal business that we all know and love. Always. Singapore is also not much better. A lot of, in the early days of the last big bull run and last crash, a lot of companies were sitting in Singapore. I'm sure that there's some legal reason, but nevertheless, by being in Singapore or being in the Bahamas, they're not beholden to the SEC, or so they think. They will absolutely be beholden to the SEC. The SEC will get their their blood from them. They did with FTX, and they will do it. They've done it with Binance. They got they're getting over four billion out of Binance, and they're breaking them over the coals. But most likely, if something happens with coin, with Crypto.com which apparently has like thousands of employees and such. I, I, I don't know. I think a lot of that's horseshit. I think that it's likely to be something that's so sudden that users can't prepare for it because they claim they have proof of reserves, but the proof of reserves generally are kind of useless unless they tell you what the debts are, what obligations they have, and those things oftentimes don't exist on the blockchain. Like It's not like a loan from... I'm using just an example here, like Chase is tokenized and put on the blockchain. God, no, Chase wouldn't touch that with a shitty stick. So you don't ever really have a full and complete understanding of the solvency of these of these companies. They can tell you, oh, here's proof of reserves. Your assets are fully backed. Here's this, here's that. But you're just kind of 
you're just kind of taking their word for it. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like their their blog and uh, attested to by the Mazars Group, by the way, was the the reserve company. Now, if I'm not incorrect, yes, I'm right. So to be clear, crypto.com, so a proof of reserve to explain to the layman here. Proof of reserves is basically saying, here are the assets we hold that back our customers' money. So our customers have put this much money in. Here is the money we are holding if they need to pull their money out. Sounds great, right? Well, they used an asset, an auditor called Mazar for this. Mazar 2022, Mazar gave crypto.com the big thumbs up December 9th, 2022. They said, look, we can attest that the crypto assets are there. And in fact, some things like Bitcoin are actually over collateralized. We have 102% of the Bitcoin that we've been given, not just 100%, two more than that. Hell, our USDT, Tether, we have 106%. Amazing, right? Mm. No, because December 16th, uh, Mazar then... um, quit the proof of reserve work for crypto clients entirely. Less than a week later, the company that audited crypto.com quit the crypto auditing business. That is the person who audited this. That is the person you have to trust. The company that just made their vendor quit the biz because they didn't want to touch it. And that was because it's very obvious that they're full of shit. Like, that's the thing. Like, they, they did it because at the same time, Mazar actually did reserves for Binance. You know, the ones that just got sued by the... Which is a rival company of FTX, right? And, well, it's the largest crypto currently, the largest crypto exchange. And also, to be clear, the one that just got done for $4 billion by the Department of Justice. Oh, joy. So yeah, so what I'm saying is crypto.com is about as reliable as Binance, which is not particularly reliable at all because on account of the fact that Binance was like, they helped $900 million get to Iran, I think it was. Not great. Anyway, (laughs) crypto.com, I wouldn't trust them. I wouldn't trust them at all. And it sucks. And it sucks as well because what's happened here most likely is the UFC is going to, it has I assume, got all this money in advance because Dana White's a freakish capitalist. Yes. And then when this invariably falls down and the money's gone and there's a a shortfall, I would not be surprised if the fighters are somehow punished for it, if the fighters face some kind of financial situation where the UFC can't pay. I don't know their contract structures, but if they're independent contractors, I'm going to guess the UFC screws them in some way. Well, they're already they, – I don't think they can screw them any worse than they already are. Uh, oh, there is essentially – essentially, <laughs> the fighter revenue – okay, so the NBA has a – what is it? A, a 50-50 split or at least they had a 50-50 split in terms of ownership and management versus what the players get. Uh, not so for the UFC. Would it surprise you to hear that the estimated split is somewhere in the neighborhood of 83 to 17 in favor of the company? No. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, they're not going to run out of money. They're just not paying these guys more than what they're going to be paying them. That's really even a running out of money thing. If there is anything, any cost cutting measure they can do, if they lose money on this somehow, they will do it here. Oh, they've <laughs> they've demonstrated the capacity for doing that a long then time when ago. When this so deal falls surprising. apart, they will do it again. I'm sure. Like I'm that's, sure they will. That's how this stuff ends up fucking over people. It's that the companies that get in bed with these crypto companies invariably punish uninvolved parties. 
for their own mistakes. It's very sad and annoying. Well, here's something interesting because the UFC was also paying fighters bonuses in Bitcoin after a while. Oh. Um, this was as of 2022, but you know, I haven't heard much chatter regarding this. I haven't seen or heard anything from anyone as to what the status of this might be, but they were going to be awarding anywhere. So it was going to be, you know, first, second and third place fighters for bonuses of the night, getting uh 30,000, and $10,000 worth of Bitcoin respectively. From, of course, Crypto.com, who we're going to be funding that at 100%. Now, again... So you've not heard anything about anyone actually getting paid out here? You know, after a See, couple of months, no. This is actually what pisses me off about American journalism. This is yeah. the shit where people... This is how regular people and laborers of all kinds get fucked over. Because these big, sexy deals come out. And these companies get these big, nice PR stories. Oh, we've done this for our workers. Aren't we going to... Oh, how exciting. Bitcoin's here. We're going to give it to our fighters. And then not a single goddamn person, yourself not included, actually follows up to make sure it goddamn happened. So everybody gets the benefit other than the people who are meant to get the benefit. Literally, it was just a marketing expense. And this and, is the thing. Yeah. One person needs to actually continually follow up these things. But thanks to private equity firms killing a lot of journalism, it's a lot harder. Anyway, that's that and, that No, but that in the insular nature of the UFC as well and how a lot of fighters, for fear of repercussions sometimes or matters of privacy, they don't really want to uh, divulge too much. And, and I, I kind of get that. It's a much more... Um, it's a much more airtight situation, even though, and I say this as someone who's credo when it comes to a lot of the things that happen is that nothing spreads faster in this sport or in combat sports in general than gossip and staff infections. Well, this particularly, it, it, it is it is something, it's been a, a bugaboo of mine for quite some time because it's like, how are we not hearing anything about this, especially in light of all the problems that crypto.com has been having? And I just, I don't really know what the answer is i'm dying to see if there's any avenue or any wit any in to find out more but uh, we have mentioned ftx a couple of times and of course just as a quick reminder of those playing at home that that is of course the company headed and owned by samuel bankman freed the wonderkind of, uh, of of all things crypto a man who was described i believe once as the mark zuckerberg of crypto which uh, he is was also described as the next warren buffett Right. And, you know, it's just amusing to me because when you look at Mark Zuckerberg and you realize, okay, the guy was never really that brilliant to begin with, that starts to raise some levels of concern to me. Mark Zuckerberg actually built something, though. This is true. He has that in his cap. He absolutely does, even if it all started as a hot or not type of uh, thing that expanded. The Wet Brothers, the Winklevite. Right. Now, the those Winklevi guys I would love to see in the Octagon. The Winklevoss boys? The or? Yeah, there. The, I want to see the Winklevosses fight. That's interesting to me. I would put money into that. I want to see Wait, brother fighting, fight, each, fighting each other. Yes, brother versus brother fighting each other. It will be beautiful. Put them in the ring. Dana White, get on the phone with me. Let's make this happen. I want to see these wet boys fight. I want to see the boat brothers beat each other to death. Like, this is, if we must have a violent sport, at least make it funny. Well, we're not going to get Musk versus Zuckerberg, so I mean, we no, were never, Musk, we were Musk never going to get that. Musk would have died. He would have moved one leg, got hip dysplasia, and fallen over and cried his eyes out. Zuckerberg would have put him in the ground. 
Zuckerberg would have put him in the he would have put him in the wood chipper from Fargo at that point. But I mean, look, you have a guy who's actually again, Zuckerberg, he actually did build something. He's actually working towards something by training. He's never looked happier, though. If you look at him, he when you look at him right now doing like fighting stuff, he's so happy. Big, like real genuine. Like he enjoys this way more than he enjoys Facebook. He's just like, yay, I get to fight. Well, I imagine also when you're that rich, not feeling any sorrow for him, give me the money. Mm. He, I imagine you're so distant from human beings at that point that this is, he's like an, he's just reached that ultra rich guy thing that we haven't since like British aristocracy, where it's just like, you're so far removed from human experience. that The only thing you can face is pain. I think there's something to that and perhaps the fact that this is like this is an uh, uh, something that necessitates um an environment in which you've got human surroundings that you probably feel is much more alive. Number one, you get the endorphin rush. Number two, the primal thing of combat, you know, maybe there's some undercurrent of that. And then it's just the also fact that equality. He's out with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's also equality. Like he may be a rich guy, but no amount of money actually protects you from a fist. No, although he does, I imagine, have very limited circles in terms of training. I think that that's oh, one sure. of those things where, you know, they're, they're not just letting him with the general public. He's not on the mats with, like, at the 12, uh, 35 class downtown in Denver. Like, no, this dude is so he's showing up. At, he's showing up at, like, you know, they, they close the gym just for him. He's there he for an hour own. and a half. Well, I mean, you know, for if he's actually um, – I, if I'm understanding correctly, you know, him and some of his training partners, sometimes there will be uh, one of the gems that they've been able to use and just hold off for him. Yeah. Uh, the UFC actually, how, how they had an event where he was the guest of honor. He was the only guy there. Him and his wife were the ones in the audience at the Apex in Vegas. I don't know if you heard about that. I didn't. I bring it, take the wife down, watch some UFC. No, they should They should have you out there. It's down the street from where you're at. Who knows? Yeah. But, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not really. I'm not really that kind of famous here. That's okay. We'll make it so. Don't worry about it. Uh, when you finally do the honorable thing of defacing the um, the, the that 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 bitch ass <laughs> dome, yeah, the sphere. Because I hate James Dolan with a burning passion as a as a relapsed uh, Knicks, Knicks fan. fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you seen an owner make somebody rage quit an entire sport? That, that's I, that's I'm what a Raiders fan. Me. So yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I, we, I wanted to circle back to Sam Bankman-Fried sure. and FTX because, you know, we've, we've mentioned them a couple of times. FTX, obviously in the news. It's been in the news for a very long time and for very good reason. Uh, it turns out this whole thing was built on sand and how it relates to sport is very simple. We were seeing things that we had never seen before. We saw a company that in record time had its name on arenas and was putting sponsorship logos on baseball uh, umpires and refs. Uh, Everything. I mean, deals with Tom Brady, massive internationally recognized superstar, despite being a, a star in what is mostly an American sport. Uh, what I mean, how does that happen as well? Like, what do you think it is about FTX specifically that they were able to get this massive push and get this influence all over sports with the speed and the efficiency that they were able to do it? So here's the thing. The only thing that was special was that they tried all of these crypto companies could have done this. And what you're saying is a very commonly held belief, which is like, oh, was there something special that he did? No. What Sam Bankman-Fried did, which no one else had tried, was instead of being like every single other crypto company, this insufferable fucking weirdo that just kind of like 
hung around and was like, we're going to make it and have fun staying poor. Sam realized, huh, if I want the real world to like me, perhaps I should put money into the real world. Anyone with money could do what he did. Literally anyone. Like if you had the money to put like Smiling Man Arena, you could do it. You could do that tomorrow. Obviously not tomorrow, but like you can do these things. It just took money. He just happened to have, and Crypto.com, Fast Follow, of course, all they had to do was just give the money over. It was a frothy time. The money was good. I believe most of these deals were done in fiat currency. So none of them gave a shit. They were like, oh, sure. Give me the, I'll, I'll put Crypto.com in the arena. Who gives a shit? Because you're giving that's me the real thing. money. You're giving yeah. me real money. Your money is good. In the same way you have like mortgage companies on various was guaranteed rate field. I think it is like, that's the thing. It's no different to that. It just happens to be crypto. Sam just knew that he needed to convert it into real money. And once he did that, people would take him seriously. That's all it was. Everyone acts like it was some kind of like masterwork where he like swindled people. No, anyone with this money can do it. You got 600 grand, they'll put your shit on the sphere tomorrow. Like, that's the thing. It's just money. That's all it is. And a lot of the mystique from Sam was just that he was a guy with money in tech who would spend it in the real world. Like, and if you think about it, most of the tech industry had kept their distance from the real world. I mean, you had Oracle Arena, sure. You had Shamath put the money into the Warriors, sure. But for the most part, the tech industry had kept their dollars away from sports. Then crypto was like, fuck it, sure. And also there's probably a degree of, I don't think anyone had enough money to make them look the other way because I, I'm sure that crypto companies had tried to do this before. But even like what Tezos had to deal with, I want to say the, the Diamondbacks, was it? Like there was, there's been lots of this stuff. There's been lots of it. It's just that FTX was the most... Sorry, Tezos sponsored the New York Mets. My bad. Another oh, wow. great choice. Um, <laughs> but nevertheless, that's all it was. It was just money. There was He knew that if he, he put money in Democrats and Republicans' pockets, and it was mm-hmm. both. People yeah. are so goddamn... People are like, oh, he just gave it to Democrats. No, he gave it to Republicans too. Pretty he's on record he, saying as much, too, that he was donating publicly to Democrats. He sounds very funny. He sounds like uh, he the does. Roadrunner. He wow. I, I, that's not the voice I would have pulled for him, but he does sound weird. Yeah, he's yeah. – but also, he's a nasty little freak. They all are. But, but yeah, it was just money, and he was smart enough to realize that that's all it was. Like, oh, crypto's dodgy. I don't trust crypto. Oh, you have a checkbook. Well, right this way, sir. That's all it is. That's all it is. That's amazing that that's all it took because my I guess my my reasoning here was well was there any other was there anything else extra here that we just saw this everywhere from this one company and it's just interesting that you raise a point that no they were the only ones that really went on a full offensive for that I mean they weren't just they going really after did. Well, they went after individual athletes like Shaquille O'Neal and Naomi Osaka, but then they go to UC Berkeley. Uh, they gave money to Formula One and they were just just handing things out like it was government cheese and. It's just 
really intriguing to me as to why other companies didn't go that far. I mean, I've, you mentioned Oracle, for example, right? And I guess the only other person I can think of was Steve Ballmer buying the Clippers, but that was his own personal thing, not the company. Yeah. Same with Shamath so and Paul Allen, I forget, what, in Washington, shit, who did he invest? He, nevertheless, uh, Microsoft, um, he, he invested in someone too. But again, it was just investing in teams. These sponsorships, right. I just don't think most crypto companies had the money. Is that, do you think, the only factor, or do you think that perhaps there were any other reasons as to why? Well, let me rephrase what I mean by have the money. So a lot of the problem with cryptocurrency companies is they have the money on the blockchain, but actually liquidating enough money or enough crypto to make a payment of several hundred million dollars is quite difficult. You actually have to have the scale to do so without crashing the entire market. So before, there was not quite as much there – w- there weren't quite as many places you could actually liquidate that much crypto in what you would call an OTC deal, which would mean over-the-counters, and it wouldn't go on a public exchange. Mm-hmm. Thus, you wouldn't be able to sell, I don't know, $100 million in Bitcoin or USDT, so that's Tether, without anyone noticing and without the markets freaking out. But also just Sam Bankman-Fried knew how to talk. These crypto people would go in there and be like, ah, well, you know, the blockchain's amazing and you got to trust us. Ah, Satoshi Nakamoto. And everyone would be like, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean? Sam Bankman-Fried knew how to simplify it. He was a good lobbyist. He was Which good so, at this. He was, but that's interesting because I've, I've, what little I've heard him actually say out loud – I mean, I, I kind of, I guess maybe it's the same thing I have, the same problem I have with some of these other rich guys like, uh, oh God, now I'm blanking on the guy's name. Uh, the dude from WeWork, Adam Newman from WeWork. Like, they I represent hear him speak. what they want right. rich guys to look like. Adam Newman looks like a cult leader, looks like a wish.com Jared Leto. Um, Sam Bankman-Fried represents exactly what they wanted a billionaire to look like. A kind of weird, like porky pig with an afro kid like he looks he looks like a weird little tech goblin and that's exactly what they want and he he like stutters and he's like oh he's all humble that's exactly what they want from these guys they don't want like they kind of wanted elon musk in his form but now they're kind of tired of him because he's really horrible and always kind of has been but in sam bankman's free banksman's free in sam bankman freed's case he was a dorky white tech nerd it's exactly what they wanted to they wanted to give the money to that if you want to be part of the future of money you don't want to have people yelling at you have fun staying poor you want someone talking about that this is the future sam bankman frees whole effective altruism thing as well where he claimed that he was he was the first guy smart and rich enough to spend the money for poor people real real fucking asshole um but he represented what they wanted it to be while also knowing how to message it so that it didn't upset people who didn't understand what they were talking about. That just, that just still amazes me that there it's seems very depressing. to be, to me, it just seems like it's a very low bar to impress these folks, but I don't know, maybe something different happens behind. It's actually doors. surprisingly difficult because the component parts are easy representing what they want to represent. Fine. Being able to mobilize that much money is actually quite difficult within crypto. It really, it's not an easy, it's not a small lift. You actually really have to have the connections to be able to liquidate and then wire that money. He spent years building up the very legal system in the Bahamas. He really, he prepared for this. 
and he will he is going to go to jail for quite a long time as a result. But doing all of that and then knowing who the popular people would be, Shaquille O'Neal will do anything for money. Also, just come on, oh, come on. Shaq the guy will, had the general. Yeah, yeah of course like Shaq, he's going to do anything. Shaq doesn't give a crap about anyone. I actually think he's kind of loathsome now. Like he'll do, he'll take whatever money from whoever. But still, come on my podcast, Shaq. But nevertheless. He knew who to go to. He knew the right types of people. Had crypto not crashed, had FTX not fallen apart, mark my words, Travis Kelsey would have 100% done an FTX commercial. Like, that's the thing. He knew the kind of State Farm adjacent type celebrities to go to. Even Larry David, like, he knew what he was fucking doing. Not Larry David, I mean Sam Beckman Freed. Going to Larry David was perfect because that covers a certain kind of demographic of people who might be cynical, who can laugh at the irony of Larry David saying, no, it's not for me, even though that was kind of ominous. It's just, it's depressing because it is that obvious and it is that simple. So what happens now with all the naming rights and everything here? I mean, have you, does anyone have any idea? Do they have to stick with these, uh, with these commitments of yes, you know, absolutely. The stadium has so they have to remain FTX Arena for the the entirety of the decade that they signed on. Uh, FTX Arena, I believe, actually already came down. Okay, I thought. I thought actually, they, you know what? Yeah, I think. Yeah, you know what? FTX Arena, I think they removed because, yeah, it's now called Caseya Center. Uh, because awesome. FTX, another, another thing I never heard of. Yeah, I that, don't that know what that is. Um, but nevertheless. FTX Arena was something that got changed because they went into bankruptcy, and I don't think the sorry Kaseya is an IT and security management thing. Oh, goodness. Um, nevertheless, they I think they were able to remove that because FTX went bankrupt, and thus I don't think anyone was going to sue anyone, and they were too busy dealing with having the guy from Enron try and recover every cent. But Crypto.com, for example, there's absolutely nothing they can do about that one. They're stuck with that shit. It's like a 10-year deal. Yes. It's insane. Like, it's embarrassing. Crypto.com is also just the least inventive name they could have gone with. <laughs> and also okay, just, no, one cannot remove the association from cryptocurrency when that is the name. Well, you are you are the public relations guy here, but what I'd offer a counterpoint here and say, what if you really want to appeal to people that are not very knowledgeable and you want to make sure that you reach the dumbest guy out there? What do you do that will stick with them and that they won't forget? Something for crypto? Crypto.com. Do you think maybe that might have been part of the calculation? Oh, absolutely. Except they never calculated whether crypto would shit the bed. Funny and enough, then, right? The most important thing. The one thing you should be concerned about happened. But on top of that, how can I put this nicely? No one knew, I guarantee you, no one who signed those contracts for Crypto.com Arena had any idea what crypto was at all. And you talk about the dumbest person here. You talk about what the dumb guy would do or wouldn't do or what would appeal to them. And you're completely right. That's a great calculus for this. But the problem is the dumbest person you know now with crypto is probably thinking, oh, you mean the fraud thing? Right. Like that is the litmus hit. They're like, oh, you mean the thing that was on the TV with the porky pig afro guy who, who went to jail? Like that guy, that's, that's the crypto you took about? I don't like that one bit. I would not be surprised if most people who go to Crypto.com Arena make fun of the fact it's called Crypto.com Arena. 
I certainly would. That would be the only thing I'd talk about the whole time. It'd be very annoying. Wouldn't talk about the fucking Clippers, that's for sure. Not, not a good time there. So now that that has crashed, I mean, I'm curious what this means for all the other entities involved. I mean, it just means that the money oh, spigot gets turned off? I have, or I'm I mean, so sorry. I've got something far more depressing to add. So uh, right now, Bitcoin is back over 40 grand. So this is entirely my intuition here. I believe this is the last big bull run. I think shit is going to go bonkers. And I think this is going to be all the smart money getting out. So you may indeed see more of these sponsorships again. However, Hmm. I do think some consumers, if not all consumers, are going to be a little bit hesitant this time due to the fact that anyone who invested during the Super Bowl is, is underwater, without exception. Actually, even if you saved your money until now, even with things improving, no, your money is still, like, you're still very much underwater here. But I think right now, we are in the process of, like, the deck chairs on the Titanic. I think that we are going to see, like, it's going to go even higher than 40 grand, and then it's going to crash in such a way that people just get washed out in the most disgusting way. And I think every one of these companies that involves themselves in crypto, and you're going to see a few new ones, all of them are going to get swindled in a very similar way. And then they're going to block crypto from ever touching sponsorship again. They're going to find a way to remove them from the equation entirely, either through direct bylaw stuff or just by kind of behind the scenes saying, nobody touch these freaks, nobody speak to them. I think that the UFC is also one of the industries that is most due to their adjacency at times to the manosphere types who love crypto. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. These guys not, not are going a, not to an accident. And, but these guys are because they all pretend to be like fight the power. Oh, I don't listen to the man. I don't do what the man tells me. I make my own decisions by which I mean, I follow the decisions of some of the men I like. Right. And, I think that you're going to see a lot of money flowing into that. I know this sounds like crazy, but I also predicted Sam Bankman-Fried a few months before it happened. So I don't know, maybe people listen to me this time. But it's funny because you'd think that people wouldn't be dumb enough to get fooled by this again. It really would. Well, the thing is that you and I have something dreadful in common, and that's that, unfortunately, the things that we're most correct about tend to be pretty fucking horrible. So yes, I, I, also, I kind of believe you. But you also... Know? This isn't even the first time it's happened. No. Back in that's 2017, makes it, that's what makes it more was the huge, there was the huge bull run. Tons of it. There were stories in the New York Times about everyone's getting hilariously rich except me. Oh, oh, I don't want to miss out this time. And that was actually the big marketing push with crypto. This, this last big bull run was, oh, you missed out the last time. And look how rich people got. Oh, look, someone got rich off of the board apes. Now, now you two could be rich. And this time it's going to be like, well, now crypto has cleaned up its act and the bad people have been exiled from crypto and crypto is good now. And look how rich you could be in crypto. And people are going to get so fucked by it. That's what, that is the thing that bothers me about it. It isn't even like that these freaks are getting rich. Like, sure, that's bad, but these people get rich anyway. Like the world is a vampire. Like, I'm kind of used to that. The thing is with crypto, and especially this last one, and I think this one as well, retail investors got conned into it because the average person cannot accumulate wealth. 
They just can't do it. It is not possible for most people to afford a house. It is not possible for most people to afford a lot of things at the moment, quite honestly. But specifically, wealth generation, especially in America, especially with health insurance here, is so difficult. So retail investors got swindled by this because they were like, oh, none of the regular ways that I was told growing up actually work. I'll try this one. And this time, the swindle is going to be the crypto industry cleaned up its act. The crypto industry can be trusted again. This is These are the good guys now. The bad guys have been exiled. To be clear, one of the largest exchanges right now is the aforementioned Wet Brothers, Winklevosses, the uh, Gemini Exchange. Gemini right now, are you familiar with Gemini Earn? I've heard of it. I'm not too familiar so with Gemini it. So Gemini Earn was a program where you could put your crypto inside Gemini in an interest-bearing account, because that's, that's how they described it. And then they said they had their trusted institutional partners that allowed them to safely store your money while making you a bit on the side. Like at one point, like an 8% return. Wowie zowie. How incredible. What a great deal for everyone. November 2022, shortly after the FTX crisis, Genesis, the, not the band, the, uh, the, um, <laughs> of course, the crypto lender, the, one of the crypto lenders, that Gemini claimed they were working with uh, went belly up and Gemini Earn had to turn off withdrawals. Over a billion dollars was in there, to be clear. Uh, Now the New York Attorney General is suing Gemini because they knew the whole goddamn time that the only company, Genesis, the lender, where they put a billion dollars of their customers' funds, they knew the entire time they were likely insolvent. They knew. That is one of the remaining trusted crypto companies. These are your trustworthy stewards. This is what the cryptocurrency industry is. So if you're listening to this and thinking, if you see the prices going up, you're thinking, maybe the bad guys are out of it. No, they're still here. They're still in the building. They're still evil. And you are going to get scammed by them. And the plan here is going to be that this is the trustworthy one. Coinbase, who's somehow hasn't been mixed up in any crime other than the fact the SEC is currently investigating them and trying to charge them with something. Every single one, by the way, every crypto exchange. Other than, like, their whole thing now is saying, well, the current system doesn't work, and the only one that does is crypto. I realize I'm ranting here. I know. But the point I'm trying to make is, the person who gets fucked over here is not the rich guy. The rich guys have either got out or will get out before you they, before everything goes belly up. No. The people that get screwed every goddamn time are always the consumers and always people. You can laugh at people who are obsessed with crypto. You really can. It's very funny. But at the same time, these people are victims of a scam. They are victims of a large con, probably the largest con in history, worse than Bernie Madoff. And they're going to get fucked over again and again until the government just makes things in crypto very illegal, which they should have done already. And they're actually kind of in the process of doing. Gary Gensler of the SEC, very much on that. But yeah, it's just very depressing because this shit isn't over yet. People are still going to get screwed over and no one no one seems to realize that this is going to happen. It's just, it's it kills me. 
Well, you know, I'm always worried about the guy holding the bag, and it seems like anyone who jumps in now is definitely going to be in that situation. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I just always worry what it means for, for example, athletes and organizations that don't have much advocacy, for example, like mm -hmm. in mixed martial arts. Uh, I'm I'm really curious as to how that shakes out. It doesn't seem like there's too much, although there are a lot of fighters that uh, they're also Manosphere adjacent or they're also super curious about. And a lot of them are still hanging on to NFTs and holding the faith and carrying that torch. So, you know, I don't really <laughs> I don't really know what, what that's going to look like there. But I just I, I worry about that because, like, dude, you know, it, it's it's like you said, you have people that they want to be seen as rebels and outsiders. And here comes this this unconventional way to get rich and they end up with that. But, um, and it was of course, born of the financial crisis in 2008, yes. by the way. So, yeah, well, that, and that, and all the other squeeze factors that, that end mm -hmm. up happening. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. So, uh, I just want to ask you to plug your pluggables, man. You've got your, uh, sub stack. You've got the podcast. You've got the uh, company, please, man. Tell, tell these people out here for the love of God, tell them where to find more of this Ed Zitron character. So you can find me uh, at Ed Zitron on Twitter or zitron.bsky.social, I think, on Blue Sky. Also on Threads for some reason. Uh, easy PR for the PR services. But it really is the newsletter is where's your ed dot at. Uh, it's a free newsletter. I have something big coming out next week. I realize that now that might be this week and it might have already come out. But I have, I think I have my last piece of the year coming. And the podcast, you find it, where's your ed dot at slash podcast. Fantastic. Ed, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including... The MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate. The Level Change Podcast. The Hey, Not the Face Podcast. The MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows. The Sixth Round Post-Fight Show. The Show Money Podcast. And the MMA Depressed Us.